Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about agriculture in North Carolina. You can hear it on the air on 103.7 and 96.3, Mondays at 6.30 in the morning and 6 p.m. at night. Or listen to the podcast at ecfarming.com. Eastern Carolina Farming is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Today's program, we talk with Derek Jackson, who went from active army to startup farmer in five years. Who does that? Derek and Paige Jackson, and four kids who went from army brats to hired hands. More on that in a few minutes. But first, we start the program as we always do, with a look at the ag headlines. And for that, I'll bring in Jeff Turner, my co-host, COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Ag Board. What say, Jeff? Hey, Dan, good morning to you. I hope you're well. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. I had a muddy mess around my uh, my home construction site. We've gotten a pretty good amount of rain. i got to check the rain totals to see. I, we're a little bit above, I'm pretty sure. You know, they've come nicely. We've got wheat that's headed out, and the rains have come really good on a lot of this wheat. I, I hope everyone's got a little water along the way, and corn looks good. If I were doing it by eyeball, I'd, what do you think, 25%, 30% of corn's in? Or not in, up? I, I suspect it's up. I suspect probably 75% or more is probably planted at this yeah. point. So, Coming up soon, we've got the crossover day, North Carolina legislators, May 4th, as a matter of fact. So that's pretty doggone soon. It's this week. What is crossover day? So if you're a member of the House or the Senate and you introduce a bill, it's read in and it's assigned to a committee. It goes through the committee process and then it comes back to the floor. And so in order for that bill to be considered in this se- in this session, it has to be passed in one house or the other by date certain and sent over to the other body. In this case, May 4th, everybody's trying to get their bills pushed through committee and, and get it onto the floor and, and put it to a vote to meet that crossover deadline. It's fun and games. It's normally a very hectic time around the General Assembly this and, time of year. And some of the bills that actually had been submitted get pointed up in their final draft of the bill before it goes across, gets voted and goes across, one of which is uh, North Carolina Senate Bill 582, the Farm Act. By the way, is it every other year that the House or Senate brings that bill forward? Do they trade off on that? I think as of late, it probably originated out of the Senate for the most part. Uh, I think they've pretty much led that effort, and it's you know, for years and years and years, it was no such thing. I, I never heard of a, the Farm Act for, of North Carolina. Just it, it wasn't addressed that way. Pre-Dixon, pre-Jackson? Senator Jackson and, and Representative Dixon uh, were very active in starting this process of, you know, this is the largest industry in our state, and it doesn't get a great deal of attention, and there are a lot of things that need to be done to support farming and the ag industry in our state. So they started this process, and it, it's been a great opportunity, I think, to to get some very positive things done for agriculture. I keep saying the largest industry in our state. Farm Act 2023 had some uh, new provisions tacked on last week, and uh, interesting because last time we talked to you, you had been at a North Carolina Department of Agriculture board meeting, and one of the notes is, and you said at the time, you know, we sit around the table, and one of the things we do is everybody represents a little faction of the big industry in the state called agriculture provision added to the ag bill this year is to add the equine industry on the board i don't recall that we've ever had a specific seat devoted for equine there have certainly been a lot of folks who were part 
of the process on the board that had interest in equine. It's a huge industry, a huge part of agriculture, and and it's often overlooked. That industry, that portion of the industry, will certainly benefit from having someone on the board. One of the newly added provisions exempts compost sales tax for farmers, some farmers. Now, my assumption here is this is not a bag of compost that you would buy at a commercial outlet. This is a larger scale sort of thing, and that is to say if you sell some solids to someone, is it saying that that can be exempt from sales tax? It's not subject to sales tax, or it shouldn't be. And that's, I think, again, what they're trying to do is with the legislation is to define that and make it very clear that, that product that you selling to someone, whether it's turkey litter, uh, chicken litter, whatever, it is a fertilizer material. That's how it's being used. And, and of course, fertilizer is not, it, it's, it doesn't have a sales tax either. Selling the methane out of a digester, that's not a taxable item either, is it? Nope. The, the one thing that made me scratch my head was the, uh, a new provision added to the Ag Bill, which is leaving the scene of an animal waste spill, which I couldn't figure out at all. Uh, my thinking maybe on the western part of the state, if you have a spreader go bad on the road or something. What this is, there have been some problems in certain areas of our state where uh, you would have rendered, you'd have product that's going to go to a renderer, for instance. The truck driver is a contract driver, you know, he, he leaves his pickup station and he heads to a rendering facility. And if he loses some product along the way and he doesn't stop to clean it up, then no one knows what happens other, other than whoever drives up on this product that's been left on the highway. Where does the liability start and end? Who, whose fault is it? Probably of the person who's driving the vehicle. He should stop and and take care of it. If he makes a mess, he needs to make sure it gets cleaned up. Like any other litter, it's secure your load. But I can see how easily it would be to be to drive on by all means. Uh, absolutely. Carolina lawmakers passed the Farmland and Military Protection Act last week. The bill prohibits hostile countries defined by the federal government from buying land or land within 25 miles of a military installation. Currently, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea be on that list. Passed 114 to 0 in the House, moves on to the Senate, probably going to skate right through and get a signature. I would suspect so, and Texas just passed the same legislation this, this past week as well. It's, it's, it's not something that's unique to North Carolina, and if you think about North Carolina, we're a huge, huge military state. So I think it's extremely important uh, that we protect those areas, and this is a way to do it. We have Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. We have Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. We have uh, Air Station New River, Camp Lejeune. Oh, and we have Fort Bragg. And today's guest passed through there. It's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. Young man leaving, he and his wife both leaving the military and starting a farming operation uh, without any prior experience and, and any know-how. It, this is going to be a, a really interesting uh, conversation we're about to have. We'll do that in just a moment. And a reminder, you're listening to Eastern Carolina Farming. Thanks to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture. It's got to be NC. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Derek Jackson. I heard about Derek's story and, well, how often do you get to tell the story of someone who never had anything to do with farming and desires to be a farmer? Jeff? 
I read a little bit about background and that sort of thing in the military, came out. How in the world did you get interested in farming? So I got interested in farming because uh, we had five kids, or we had four kids at the time. I was looking for some products. Uh, we're trying to shop local. Not sure if you're familiar with Fayetteville, but at the time, there was only one farmer's market in Fayetteville, and there was only one meat vendor, a protein vendor, and he sold chicken, and he ran out. We were looking for more chicken, and we couldn't find pasture-raised chicken, so I just started doing a little bit of reading, and after five books down, and I ordered some chickens, and that was my kickoff into farming. Where'd you grow up, and then did you end your military mm-hmm. career at uh, Fort Bragg? I did. I did. So I was born and raised in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and then I joined the military right after high school, and my wife and I finished um, active duty in Fort Bragg. Tell us where you are, and how'd you get there from Fayetteville? We live in Bahama, North Carolina, and we farm in Bahama and in Rougemont. That's in uh, Person in uh, Durham County. After we raised a batch of chicken. A lot of people were asking about the, the product and asking if we were going to do more. And I, I could feel there was there was a need for it. There was a demand for it. And I enjoyed doing it. So I was looking for some land. I went on to the uh, NC FarmLink uh, website and uh, found out that there was a gentleman that had some land up in Person County that I had never heard of, which was two hours away from Fayetteville. That became the home of uh, Grass Grace Farm. Let's establish the scope of all that you're producing yeah. now. So we started with 25 broilers, chicken broilers. Then we graduated to uh, laying hens and to um, hawks and then into cattle and now into sheep. For sales, we sell pork and we sell, we sell chicken and eggs. Sounds like a, a well-rounded family farm to me. I love it. Do you have any mm-hmm. restaurant trade or commercial type trade? Right before COVID, we were, but a lot of the restaurants closed that we were that we were doing business with. We're just direct to consumer at this point. Well, I imagine that COVID, your direct to consumer spiked, and at that point, it became a supply issue almost. A hundred percent. That's exactly what happened. The, so we launched the business in October 2019. At, at first, I thought that I had made a mistake. I was like, man, we got a lot of inventory. We thought that we were at about six months worth of inventory. And we didn't have a whole lot of markets at the time. We're new. You know, no one knows who we are, you know. So we were like, well, how can we speed this up? Because I only had nine months left in the military. And, you know, hey, we got to make some money. And uh, and then COVID happened. Things started shutting down around right. March. And we sold through all of our inventory in a matter of a week and a half. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> just started raising more and more and more. Any particular breed of cow or pig? So currently we raise uh, Dexter. You know, they, they're not as, as hard on the land and with our limited amount of acreage. Uh, we were looking for something that was that didn't require a whole lot of infrastructure. Then with our pigs, we focus on uh, heritage breeds. We were, at the time, we were raising red water, but we have transitioned from red water to, to uh, Tanworth. So we raise a Tanworth uh, Berkshire Cross. You know, we raise them a little bit longer than the, the typical six to eight months because we kind of transition them into specialty sausages and stuff now. How many uh, how many pigs do you have and how many uh, beef cattle? At any given time, we're at about 75 to 125 uh, hogs. As far as cattle, we're bringing down our numbers. So at any given time, we can have anywhere between 25 and 50. Did the family farm life appeal to you? 
raising your kids, did you think that that was going to be one of the one of the benefits to what you're doing? Before we started, no, but de- certainly now. So we started the farm, and our kids were in schools. Wife had a running a business. I was active duty. My kids were in private school uh, activities booked out and all of these things. We when COVID happened, it was like, wait a second. My wife was like, we need a house, and we need to move to the farm. Like we need to move there now. But, you know, we found a house within a month or two, and then we moved on to the to the homestead, which is little that we know that we would be now full time homeschool and. You know, kids are um, actively involved in chores and, and farming. So, I mean, it is definitely, you know, we see it as the way now. Do the kids feel the, feel the same way? Y- yes, yes, yes. In the beginning, I would say kids are going to, I don't what are they going to say about this? But there, we had a friend that said, hey, we had a conversation with your kids, and we asked them if they were ready to move back to the city. But your daughter said, ugh, and eat regular people food and and live in a neighborhood and no like no we don't want to move we don't want to move from our farm their boundaries are further than they can see they have the freedom to roam 60 acres let's take this moment and pause we'll be back with more of Derek jackson's story on eastern carolina farming you're listening to eastern carolina farming on talk 96.3 and 103.7 thanks in part to donna byram with first choice insurance partners Call Donna at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, and we're chatting with Derek Jackson, a first-in-family farmer in South Durham, about how he got things started. Someone in your operation has got some vision. Somebody's a dreamer, and somebody's a get-it-done person. One, your website's extremely creative. And then two, you're also doing a farm-to-table kind of program to get people acquainted uh-huh. with the farm itself. And, of course, building, as Jeff says, that story of where the food came from and, more importantly, creating yep. value in the food that you're selling. Yes, yes, very accurate. There's definitely a visionary and there's a dreamer. There's a getter done, and I think I'm more of a, a visionary. I have to do the hands-on, but my wife makes it all happen. Definitely makes it all happen. She, the website, the marketing, she has a, a background in marketing. Physical labor is, it, I don't have a problem with it, but I do have an issue with follow through. So my wife is definitely the one that says, okay, no, 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 wait a second. So you want to raise 2,000 chickens. How do you plan on selling them? And I'm like, well, people want them. And she's like, yes, but how do you get them to them? We'll figure that out when it comes. And she's like, no, 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 no. You need to figure that out. So she is a ready-aim-fire kind of person, and you're a ready-fire-steer kind of guy. Exactly. Yes, 100%. <laughs> this month, as a matter of fact, you had, I say this month, last month now, but you had a farm-to-table program. We talk agritourism mm-hmm. all the time on this program, and I don't think as many people are doing that kind of thing yet. Did you all cook? Mm-hmm. How did? First off, who came up with the concept, and, and how, how did that get executed? My wife, this is her, this is her, her baby. So this was birthed out of far, the farmer's market. We saw, we started seeing some uh, decrease in sales at the farmer's market. And we were Well, you to started out, okay, during well, COVID, so that's, it's yes. likely. It's nothing you did, mind you. It's just the trends of people, mm-hmm. right? It was bound to happen. We knew that it was going to happen, and we were trying to prepare for it. Um, at the time, we knew a bunch of chefs that wanted to, you know, create their magic, and I, we met them at the farmer's market. We have these products that we can't get to them because they don't have a restaurant. My wife was like, well, maybe maybe we should just have a dinner at the house. 
I can't remember the first dinner was maybe about 50 people and it sold out within a few days. It birthed into the farmers, the farmers table is the, the name, is the concept name. We bring in products from the local area. Uh, we try to provide all of the protein and then we source all the other products from our neighbors. You know, if, they, if we bring them to the farm, they can see where the products, you know, the products come from. They can also meet the people that are preparing it as well as the people that are shepherding these animals. You can, you can really create the connection to the meal by serving it on the land. Now that you've done everything wrong and you're starting to do all the right stuff, <laughs> right, what are some of the challenges that you have faced along the way? That is very accurate. The first four years, is a, we made a lot of mistakes. I mean, we, we were learning and the, the ignorance of not knowing those mistakes. And, I mean, it's just there was a number of things that, you know, if we make a mistake, we're just going to keep falling forward and not fall backwards. But some of the, the challenges along the way is, I mean, the processing was a big issue. It, it did put us in a position where we had to carry animals a lot longer than we wanted to. Uh, we had to look at some out um, over the um, over the um, the state border uh, processing. So going outside of North Carolina to have our animals processed, which of course costs more money. Some of the the major challenges is is really trying to trying to expand is very difficult, right? And and you have to and and people are like, well, you, maybe you don't need to expand. Well, in order for you to be, I guess, in a place where you're even comfortable. You, you have to expand. We don't have outside jobs. You know, I didn't retire. You know, we don't own the land. So we're literally like we're, we're building from scratch. So trying to get the land while also fund the build is very difficult, which is, you know, some of the, the things that we struggled with in the beginning is maybe we don't want to sell pork chops because, you know, the margins on pork chops and what people get in a grocery store, maybe that's not the people that we want to compete with, Right. That there's really no competition there. So trying to get our products, trying to get the right product, you know, in the right season from the processor is, has been a very big challenge because processors, again, you know, they're tailored to the majority of their, their bigger customers. The processors were definitely open, but there were no slots. And I've, and I've been in the line at the processors and I was delivering to three different processes at a time and I would be in the line and it wouldn't be unusual for me to be the only uh, pickup with uh, North Carolina plate. Processing, I think, is the is 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 has been a and not just processing, but uh, creating a product, you know, getting a product from the processor that that puts you in a competitive position with big box stores because that's what we're competing with when you're talking about small time farms. So, what would you say to other folks that weren't given the opportunity to take a family farm forward that have to start from scratch? Farmer does not require any specialty skill. It requires someone willing and determined to create a product. Every skill that you have applies in farming. As they say, jack of all trades, master of few. <laughs> but And I think also, and I think Jeff would agree with me, you're being way too modest. The, the truth of the matter is is you just can't fall off the turnip truck and uh, and put yourself in a situation where, where you are. I totally agree, and i got to tell you, he said it a couple of times here. Ex experience is the greatest educator. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, once mm -hmm. you've been there and you, you the trial and error piece and you, you did it and it worked and you did it again and it didn't work, you, you learn from that. And and that's uh, it can be an expensive process or ex expensive education. Yeah. I've also got to say, Derek, we talked to, uh, we talked to a number of young farmers and 99 out of 100 say, my dad, my grandfather, 
even further back than that. You certainly are in the minority of farmers who just decided to farm <laughs> and had the, the intestinal fortitude. And I love your optimism to say every time we fell, we fell forward. The tenacity that it, that it takes to, to be in the farming business, if you're not an optimist, I've said it a thousand times on this show, if you're not an optimist, you can't be a farmer. Yes, yes. Someone has to be. If there isn't anyone on your team that is, you're, yeah, um, it's going to be, it's going to be some dark, dark days. Derek, go ahead and give us contact information, the website and whatnot. Yeah, yep. So, uh, Grass Graze Farm, uh, you can look us up. We can be found online at grassgraze.com. Also, Grass Graze on Instagram and Facebook. It's our open door to our farm. We, we can't let everybody on at, at all times. On uh, social media allows us to do that. So you can find us on all platforms. Take care, Derek. Good luck yeah. to you. Derek, it's been a pleasure, man. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's nice to know that there are non-farmers and farmers that are, are, are committed to telling a story. Bill Carone Cars in Wallace is now the only Chevy dealer in eastern North Carolina to become an AgPAC dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller. Let's take a look at last week's market numbers. April live cattle futures dove just before expiring. After trading around 177 through much of Friday's session, they went off the board 27.5 cents lower to 175.17. Nearby June ended the day at 165.47, up 95 cents in the week. May feeder futures closed at 210.97, with closing price representing a weekly decline of $1.42. June lean hog futures rose to 91.70. That's a three-week high. For the week, June hogs gained a solid $5.52. North Carolina egg prices were lower on all sizes when compared to the prior week. The North Carolina weighted average quoted Thursday, April 27th, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 144.23 for large eggs, 131.35 for large, 114.89 for medium, and 77 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was 14 to 82 cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices mostly 607 to 753 at the feed mills, 666 to 648 at the elevators through Thursday, April 27th. Number one yellow soybeans were 42 to 63 cents lower, range 1403 to 1549 at the processors, mostly 1416 to 1469 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 34 to 53 cents lower, range 539 to 661 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants ranged 477.40 to 505.70 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn ranged 551 to 642. Soybeans were 1226 to 1292. And wheat ranged 539 to 705. That's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our fine sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Inner Banks Media. Support the show by calling Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.